It is Thursday, September 8th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who can describe working with Jeff Loggeman in one word, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, J.P. Shadrick. We'll get to that uh, coming up in just a few moments. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday. It is week one. The Jaguars face the Washington Commanders. We have a busy show ahead. Analyst Jeff Loggeman standing by. Jaguars and the Commanders. The Jags have only beaten Washington one time in their previous seven meetings all time. That was in 2002. They'll try to snap a four-game skid against Washington this Sunday. Final preparations coming up. They were on the practice field this afternoon. And then at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show and head coach Doug Peterson will join us to begin the proceedings. The Jaguars today continuing preparation for this week one matchup. Some light drizzle at TIAA Bank Field for Thursday's practice. Doug Peterson earlier this week discussing some of the challenges you could see in game number one. It's, it's the hardest thing because um, you don't know what they've been working on in the offseason through training camp. And those are things you don't show during during, you know, during the preseason games. But, you know, there's obviously history. Uh, knowing Coach Del Rio and, and just studying his past and having coached against him in the past and Coach Rivera and you know they've got a great staff over there but at the same time there's always the unknown and those uh, unscouted looks as we call them you know that you don't you don't see on tape and you know it's just um, if it happens it happens we just make the corrections on the sideline and and move on and um, but yeah these first uh, you know game or two into the season you're always gonna something's gonna surprise you a little bit. And now on to the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, entering season number two of the National Football League. Started all 17 games as a rookie a season ago. His confidence level now entering year two as QB1. It's exciting. You know, it's exciting because uh, just to see how far we've come in, in a year. In my, through my lens, you know, obviously it's different for everyone else. They haven't seen as much as I've seen just because we've only had a couple preseason games. And now we're about to start the season. But to see the improvement, guys, of the, of the guys that were here, and see how much better that we've gotten. And then obviously the new additions have helped a ton. Um, and just the whole mindset. I think the culture is really flipped. And that's something that doesn't happen overnight. So it's taken a lot of, a lot of work by a lot of people. And I think we're in a great spot right now. And we just got to keep building on that. Obviously, you got to sustain it. And I'm just really excited to now have an opportunity to prove it. You know, this, this one counts. And we're going to you know, have 17 games at least to, to prove who we are. Running backs under the microscope for the Jaguars this week, of course. James Robinson set to play Sunday for the first time since an Achilles injury ended his season early in the last couple weeks of last season. He explained this week how the athletic training staff helped keep him on track this offseason. Little trackers that we got in our uh, jerseys and stuff like that, uh, they kind of try to keep my yards up with the other guys. I mean, I wasn't up there, obviously, at the beginning, but... Um, they tried to limit how, my, how much I do day by day and stuff like that and just seeing how I feel coming in the next day. And if I felt good, then we were good to move on. From an Achilles injury at the end of last season to eight months later, playing on Sunday. And finally, the defense, Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick. Of course, he'll make his regular season debut Sunday. Draft status, though, no longer matters for him. I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll lean on me, of course. That's why I'm drafted in that position. But them, them knowing me, I'm not that type of guy. Don't like you. Don't have to refer to me as no first round draft. I'm just I'm a regular football player like everybody else. I'm here to get paid, just like everybody else. 
just like everybody else. So you have it, some of the best sound of the week on Jaguars Happy Hour. And, uh, you know, we mentioned the mist today at TIAA Bank Field. And on Twitter earlier, Jeff Lagerman made an appearance at practice today, and uh, we tweeted this out, of him walking out of the tunnel in a light mist with the umbrella, and uh, hence the reference at the beginning of the show, there was a response uh, say, calling you Mr. Poppins today, Jeff. Uh, good afternoon. That? How are you? What's wrong with that? Well, you're not supposed to do that indoors, <laughs> by the way. That's not good luck for any of us. I got to share people, share with people. <laughs> it was not even raining. What is going on? And then the head coach is it coming was, over. It was raining, <sighs> and so as we're we're in, standing in the tunnel, you know, because the Jaguars now are actually practicing in the stadium. Correct. And so standing in the tunnel, out of the rain, JP and I walk out. JP sees that it's raining. And JP turns around and goes back inside. Says, "I got to get a hat. Well, I got to protect my hair." My first thought was, "For what?" <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> This uh, this flowing right? mane that I have. So I yeah, have tell me what it. you were trying to protect with your hat. Yeah. So I went back in and grabbed an umbrella because I don't want to get my shirt all wet that, that I'm going to be wearing for the show. Isn't it a dry fit? It's not a dry fit. I think it is. And I don't have a locker here I'm like you saying, do. I don't either. Okay, and I can't change clothes at a moment's notice. Mm, okay, all I know is that we're standing out there practicing. Here comes the head coach. Here comes the quarterbacks. Here comes some other people asking about your umbrella. They didn't ask about That's my hat. Right. Hat's fine. You walk out to a football practice with an umbrella. And they, and they were asking me while Man. I was dry. Thank you very much. That's okay, great. I'm not going to apologize for being Good smarter than the average bear. Good for you. No, like wearing a hat. Let me get a hat because my <laughs> hair might get messed up. It might. All right. Hey, it's anyway. Fo- it's football time. It counts this week. Finally, right? Long it's off awesome. season. The preseason's done. That two week uh, mini buy before the season is now gone. It is Thursday. The Jaguars tee it up on Sunday against the Washington Commanders at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. Here we are. And, I, and I'm looking forward to it. And, and look, I'm going to apologize right now if I end up using the wrong team name this week because for 50 years of 53 years of my life, they've been known as the Washington – okay, starts with an R. I guess you're not supposed to they say They were the Redskins, yes. Anymore. They are not anymore. Um, and it's, sometimes it's hard to break the old habits. I mean, sometimes I still say San Diego Chargers. I mean, you grew up in that area too. I mean, you grew I up. I say Oakland Raiders. You were sometimes. a Washington fan when you were a youngster. I mean, no, around well, them. Oh, you were around them a lot. They were there. I was around them a lot, and I didn't have a choice but to be around them a lot because the the town that I grew up in, which was in Sterling, Virginia, Northern Virginia, Redsk- the Redskins Park, which was their training facility, was literally right down the road. And so there was a lot of Redskin players that lived in our community. When I say lived, in and around the town of Sterling that I lived in. And in the town that I lived in, Sterling was one of the first Nautilus fitness centers in the country at that time, which happened in the 70s. And you guys will get a kick out of this, which is hard to, to believe <laughs> that there wasn't other fitness centers around in the country at that time. So a lot of the Redskin players used to come to that a place which was called Capitol Courts at that time, and would come in there to work out because there was no other places to go to work out. It wasn't like there was a Gold's Gym or, you know, there was another place. They had an open facility, and they weren't training year-round. Joe Theismann was actually the Capitol Courts club racquetball champion two years running. Really? And I used to watch him as a kid, 
and watch him play in the club tournament. I mean, he was that good. And uh, so, yeah, so I mean, I was kind of growing up around the quote-unquote Redskins football team, and uh, I wasn't necessarily a, a big fan, but I didn't have a choice because my dad and all his buddies, they got together on Sundays after church, and it was it was watching football, that team, on Sundays somewhere as a group. And uh, as kids, we were kind of tag, you know, we just kind of dragged along to go to experience the whole thing, and it was cool, man. That's how I grew up. So let's get to these two uh, another organizations. Quick story. Yes, sir. Just another quick story. I, when I, I love story time with logs. You I go, you go back to the old days, and I actually experienced a little bit of this when I was a player and I was young. And that NFL players used to be a little bit more. I don't want to say involved in the community, but more involved in the community on a personal basis. As far as when I was a young player in New York, we used to go and play like a high school staff for charity. Mm. Yeah. And the Redskins used to do that. They came to play at our high school, and it was like a you know basketball game, and it was our staff against them. And uh, so you get to interact with them. And the players, I think Redskins players, they made a little bit of money, pocket money on the side and stuff. And so, uh, so yeah, I had a lot of experience around a lot of those guys, the players that played the game, you know, Rich Mallott, Dave Butts, uh, Dexter Manley. I mean, all those guys, you know, that I used to grow up watching this kid, Jeff Bostick. You know, one time I actually sized him for a – a tuxedo when I was a high school kid working at a tuxedo shop, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. About yeah. that story. All right, so to these two teams, uh, Washington uh, has a new quarterback. They a traded, new old quarterback. Yes, they've got Carson Wentz in there. Uh, Ron Rivera's in year three now. Um, gave up a lot to get them, too, which did. is kind of surprising. They gave up a second and a third this year, and then they gave up a conditional pick for 2023, which is a lot to give in a year in which there was a lot of quarterbacks that were available. And the reason that he became available was because the last time he played a real game, which was right here in TIA Bank, uh, on TIA Bank Field, he, he played poorly. And Mr. Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, was, from what I understand, beside himself at Carson Wentz's performance in that game, not to mention some of the previous games leading up to that game, because when they had an opportunity at going to the playoffs with a win-in-a-year-end scenario and then he failed, Mr. Irsay lost his mind and said, get him out. Through an interception in that game, he was sacked six times by the Jaguars' defense that day here at the bank, and they couldn't get him out of town fast enough. And Indy, he ends up in Washington. Of course, Doug Peterson had Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. If you have missed the last seven years of the NFL, uh, he had them when he was drafted in the first round, and then he got injured. Here comes Nick Foles. We know the story of the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the Super Bowl in 2017. So he knows Carson Pretty well, I would say. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, bringing him up after well, and, the draft and, and how he kind of operates and ticks. And the reality is is that there's a lot of people that understand how Carson Wentz operates because there's a lot of film. And there's no secrets. It's not like Doug has all this insider information because he was able to work with Carson Wentz for a couple of years. Maybe he knows him a little bit more than somebody else that didn't have the opportunity to work with him in a one-on-one basis. But the reality is is that what Carson does well and doesn't do well is clearly on film, and it's for there for everybody to see. When Carson Wentz is at his best, he is playing reckless with his body and he's using and utilizing his mobility. He's not a pocket passer. 
He's not a guy that can sit back in the pocket and survey a field and diagnose it and go through a progression and be successful that way. That's not what he is. That's not what he does best. So if you're the Jaguars, you want to make sure that you keep him in the pocket, make sure that his legs does not hurt his legs don't hurt you. And then uh, play good coverage, play good solid coverage with him. Just don't just don't let him hurt you in that way, though, because if he has the mobility and if his legs are an impact in the ball game, then it's going to be difficult to stop him. It would be a nice start for this Jaguars defense. New look group, uh, new new scheme, new coordinator, a lot of new personnel. I think there's a there's always a, the word "new" when you use that word. That's uh, I think week one. It's it's it totally fits because there's a lot of new for a lot of teams. And there also can be a lot of new for teams that have the same players and the same staff back. I mean, every team goes into the offseason trying to find ways to tweak their system, to tweak their roster, to make it quote-unquote better. So there are a lot of things that you may not expect in week one or week two. But once you get to week four, five, six, kind of you've seen what teams are – are trying to be in the new calendar year. So I think you have to be ready for some things that you're not expected to see in week one. But the Jaguars might have one of the great advantages in all of football with other teams that have new staffs because when you put a new staff together, as Doug Peterson has, there's always influence from a lot of different parts of that staff. And so there are tweaks and there are nuances that are a little bit different. So this offense may not be – completely like exactly what Doug Peterson ran when he was in Philadelphia. There might be changes that maybe Press Taylor brought in or Mike yeah. McCoy brought in or or Jim Bob Cooter brought in. You just don't know. Or Trevor Lawrence throws or in Or Trevor his Lawrence, idea. you know, or they see something with Trevor. They're like, hey, look, let's run this yeah. because he does this well. And so that part of the newness, I, I, I'll bet you that the Washington Commanders staff is – more likely more nervous about this game than the Jaguars staff, just from a what Doug terms unscouted looks mm-hmm. standpoint. Let's come back. Plenty ahead on this game uh, coming up at 5 o'clock. It's the Doug Peterson Show. Speaking of the head coach, we'll hear from him. Good. On this set with us coming up at 5 o'clock. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, We always will be each and every week uh, on Jaguars Radio. Uh, Plenty ahead, we'll get into the Jaguars offense a little bit more. We heard from the uh, Jaguars quarterback. We'll hear from Press Taylor, offensive coordinator as well. We are off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. That's the benefit of having spent five years with Doug, of knowing what he expects on the headset, what the communication like is, and through the four preseason games as well, of everybody kind of understanding what that is. And, you know, I think I have a good feel for what kind of communication he expects and he likes, and then kind of when he's he's in his flow and you kind of give him time to make the play call, there's not a lot of extra chatter on the headsets for him. Um, and usually we're in lockstep with most things. You know, we've talked about, we've gone through scenarios, whether it's, throughout this week as we build each section of the game plan to even Sunday morning, we'll get a chance to sit and meet before the game in the locker room, in the air conditioner, kind of talk through, all right, if you get this, what are we thinking? Where are we at? Both of us just bouncing ideas around. Um, And so we're all kind of on the same page. So then once he's going, he's got it going. 
That's offensive coordinator Press Taylor earlier today. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Glad you're along with us. The Jaguars face the Washington Commanders Sunday, 1 o'clock, FedEx Field, Landover, Maryland, and it will be the offense's debut. Press Taylor up in the box. Doug Peterson pushing the buttons from the field. The operation of that is was kind of the topic there. He was asked about that today. How is it going to go? It's not like their first rodeo together. I mean, they've been in coaching staffs together. But in this setup with him as the coordinator upstairs and, and Doug on the field. And, and they experimented with that. Yeah, they played with it a couple different ways in the preseason. But now it's for real Sunday. Well, I, I think that uh, the coaching staff, the preseason, I think was very beneficial to them too because this is a new staff and there's a lot of people on Doug's staff that he hasn't worked with before. You've got a first-time defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell. So Mike, I'm sure, has to find who he's comfortable with being that main voice in his ear from the press box or from the eye in the sky, so to speak. And that's what uh, preseason is. But it, but it's still an evolving process when you have a new staff. I don't think that the change is over with. Like you're a you're not a finished product when you go into game one from a coaching staff standpoint. And I think there's going to continue to be. Uh, What's the right term, I think? Because, Doug, I'm trying to use the term that Doug talks about because he said, you know, it's about the journey and not the results a lot of times and that you're trying to be the best once you get towards the regular season, which is a great thought process to have. But I think that also applies for uh, for the coaching staff and that you're trying to evolve and to progress and to get better as a coaching staff. And so you're going to find little nuances or changes to the to the dynamic of what you initially start with to get to a better place at the end of the season. Let's uh, stick on offense here. And, yes, Trevor Lawrence will get a lot of the headlines. Yes, the running backs are both back, uh, Travis Etienne and, and James Robinson. But And there's new faces at wide receiver, all that, free agents and everything coming in. But the revamped and retooled offensive line has their hands full this week. And a battle right out of the gate against the Washington Commanders defensive line. There's a new center. Obviously, Brandon Sheriff was in Washington his whole career. He's going back to his old place uh, at right guard. Um, Jawan Taylor's the right tackle. Ben Barch at left guard. And here comes Cam Robinson, newly extended at left tackle. Yes, Chase Young is not playing for Washington, but they still have some guys up front. And this is a battle to watch in the trenches. uh, This is a... Making you probably a little teary-eyed. This is an Alabama <laughs> reunion of sorts here, I, I right? I don't know about that. Uh, you got a couple of big guys there up in Washington in the middle that are Alabama guys. Cam Robinson's an Alabama guy. But no, but this is this game could be won or lost at this battle. And this battle that we're talking about is the commander's defensive line versus the Jaguars' offensive line. And there's some great matchups that are going to be happening. Chase Taylor, yes, is not playing. Young, Chase Young. Or Chase Young. And Chase has typically been a right end, and so that would be a a Cam Robinson matchup. But that's not going to happen. They have a backup playing there. And from what I saw from his name is James Smith-Williams is the backup. He is not anything close to a Chase Young. On the other side, Montez Sweat, I think this this is a tough matchup for Juwan Taylor. Why? Montez Sweat has been a very consistent, athletic, he's fast, he's strong, he's got a lot of traits that make it challenging. He's more athletic than most left defensive ends. In other words, more athletic than most right tackles face from a pass rush standpoint. 
21 over 21 sacks in three years. I mean, very consistent. His numbers have always been there. It's not like he's had a big year and then a down year and then an okay year. He's been very consistent. I think that's a tough matchup there. I would also say that Luke Fortner, with being a rookie and facing two guys in the middle and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, as good as that right out of the gate, um, it doesn't get any more difficult. This is like going to face Georgia, but another step up. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not, because Georgia's already a step up. And then the other thing, I think, when you go to a sub-situation, so in other words, when you go to, okay, we're in an obvious passing situation, the commanders are in their nickel package. Jonathan Allen has been their most successful pass rusher from a number standpoint, coming off a career-high nine sacks. If you look at his numbers as far as pass rush success, he's right up there with an Aaron Donald. And then the guy uh, in Kansas City, Chris Jones. Yep. Those, those two guys are kind of the bar, Chris Jones, Aaron Donald. But then right just, I mean, just a little notch below, well, a little bit more than Aaron Donald, but, but a notch below that is Jonathan Allen. You think he's right there? I, well, I mean, wow. if you look at him from a production standpoint and a number standpoint, at you know last year's numbers, this guy is uh, is a top five interior pass rusher, and he pass rushes over ninety percent of the time from the right defensive tackle spot. Okay, which means that he's going to be facing Ben Barch. Mm-hmm. So that's a matchup that's going to be a tough one. So what do you do? Okay. If you slide the line to Jonathan Allen, now you're leaving the other two guys, which are going to be facing more than likely a Deron Payne and a Montez Sweat, your right side of the line, Sheriff and Jawan Taylor. You're going to leave them all alone in a one-on-one type situation unless you keep you know, back in. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's a great matchup. It's a great test right out of the gate because they are really good up front. And the Redskins, excuse me, the Commanders See, are looking. Is. There it there is. There it is. There's one. The Commanders are looking to go – back to where they were a couple years ago. When two years ago they were top five defenses, past year they weren't. You know, Del Rio's trying to get them back to where, where they were at. Yeah, Jack Del Rio's there. We we uh, we missed one of the headlines. Yeah. yeah. Jack's still there. How about that? Yeah, he's uh he's been a he's been a good defensive coordinator, you know, for many years. And Jack's a, got a great defensive mind. Many years here when we saw the Stroud Henderson combo, that was in the Del Rio years with Mike Smith as a defensive coordinator and obviously Jack was the defensive mind as well. So uh so look, I don't want to say it's a reunion of sorts, but uh, but it's a great test this week and it's a it's a great test for a young quarterback, great test for his weapons. Uh, you've got a really good corner on the other side and Kendall Fuller. I think he's one of the better corners in the league. He's probably a He's a top ten corner for sure. You might make an argument that he's a top five corner. So some some good tests this week and right out of the gate, which is good. You know, that's what you're playing for. It's the NFL. There's gonna be a test most weeks. Well, <laughs> that works. Well the, they're all getting paid. And here's the reality. It's not like the commanders are this high level football team that has been winning a ton of games. Look, uh, they've been a mediocre football team at best. They've got a lot of things going on with their organization that aren't involving football, uh, congressional hearings with uh, with their owner, with uh, former head of the organization and Bruce Allen, and uh, it's not the, exactly the focal point of an organization that you would like to have. You'd like to have it always be about ball, but it's not the case in Washington. We'll come back and hear from Devin Lloyd.
Yes, uh, there were two first-round picks. Devin Lloyd this year. Uh, Trayvon Walker was number one overall. Devin Lloyd also a first-round pick, and yes, he will start. Huh? Kind of not. I don't want to say that's surprising, but I think that there's going to be a shared role there. Okay, we'll we'll discuss when we return. And check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcast. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You don't have classes and it's really it's really nice and I really feel like I have a good balance now of how much is enough but not too much because I feel like even at Utah I might have done I wouldn't say too much but um, there can be to a point where you watch too much and you overthink on the field versus just watching the right amount getting a good amount and then going out and trusting but also just playing ball so I feel like I got that um, good amount and like you said it's a lot more time so that's nice. That's Devin Lloyd first round pick linebacker out of the University of Utah discussing the difference in time availability to watch film. He was a film rat at Utah. Welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Yeah, he, he was in the film room all the time, even with class and everything at the University of Utah. But now all that's gone, he says. He has all the time in the world, but you have to balance it out. And uh, we're all excited to see uh, all these new faces, certainly on, and some of the old faces too. Why not? This whole new defense uh, Devin Lloyd will have a part in that. There was some question of that in the preseason with the hamstring issue. Uh, he told me the other day in the locker room that after that final preseason game in Atlanta, the next day when he didn't feel anything, he felt fine, mm-hmm. that's when he realized, okay, I'm going to be okay. I can move forward here. And, and that's important because hamstrings can linger, and so I hope that that is the case, that it's not going to be a problem moving forward for him because, uh, again, those things can be a major headache. But there's a lot of new with this defense. Uh, he's a part of that new. Trayvon Walker's a part of that. Mike Caldwell, the defensive coordinator, is a part of that. And there's a lot of new components. And so it's, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun to see how they perform, how they're deployed, how they will attack offenses, because there's just a lot of unknowns. A lot of times the decisions that you make as a coordinator, a defensive coordinator, is based on the personnel that you have. And – as a coach, you kind of get an idea in the first year in the preseason of what your personnel can and cannot do, but sometimes you discover more as the season wears on. Sometimes you don't know, like a guy like Devin Lloyd, who hasn't really played much except for that last preseason opportunity in Atlanta. And I think it's going to be interesting, too, to see what role that Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma will have. How will they operate, you know, with uh, – Devin having not as many reps as Chad, do they share that role in Washington on Sunday? I think they might. Who starts? Well, Devin Lloyd's the starter. I mean, he's on the depth that chart. Could, that could literally be one play and then you're off and you've started. Well, I, I mean, what do we. I, I think they'll have Devin Lloyd prepared for everything just because that's what you have to do and that's just part of the deal. Will they have some packages with both of them on the field? They might. Could they have packages that maybe 
Chad Muma is a little bit more accustomed to doing, maybe. Will they try to rotate the two guys just from a a conditioning standpoint and because both of the guys – or because they feel confident with Chad, the amount of reps that he got? Maybe. But that's all part of the mystery, and it's not like Doug Peterson is going to share that information uh-huh. with us here coming up in about 25 minutes. Uh, I'm, we may not even ask. Yeah, why would we? Because uh, he's not going to put it out there, right? I mean, why, why, is he, why would he – I wouldn't tell you anything. <laughs> I mean, it's, look, it's, that's part of our competitive advantage is to not disclose information like that. Read the injury report, JP. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Well, speaking of, it is time for the injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like you're producing this show or something. That was pretty good. Do you I like that? It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot. Smooth little transition there. It's like you've done this a time or two. Uh, only one player on the report for the Jaguars officially this week, Foley Fadukasi, defensive lineman, free agent addition this offseason with a calf issue. He has been limited Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Washington, on the other hand, has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players on the list. Three of those have been practicing full all week with uh, some different injuries. Phil Mathis, defensive tackle, Trey Turner, guard, John Bates are full both Wednesday and Thursday. But then you get up to a couple of tight ends. Cole Turner and Logan Thomas have been limited uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Cam Sims, wide receiver, had a concussion. He's limited Wednesday, Thursday. And then Cameron Curl, the starting safety, has a thumb injury and has not practiced this week. So Washington's a little deeper. Okay, Cameron Curl, starting safety, pretty good player, supposedly might have had a procedure on his thumb and that could keep him out of this game. That would be, a, I think, a pretty significant loss for Washington. Their tight end, what was his status for Logan Thomas? Logan Thomas has been limited. Both days. And with a I, knee don't, issue. I don't think that he's going to be available for this game either. And he's their starting tight end. He's a pretty good one. Yeah. He's a former well, quarterback at Virginia Tech, remember? Yeah, last year he had an ACL, uh, I believe a PCL, and then two different meniscuses were Men- torn. Meniscus, menisci, meniscus. Uh, yeah, how do you say what's what's the, the, I don't know. What's the plural? You don't want both. What's I'll the plural say that. Of that? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know exactly what the plural is, but an ACL MCO with a meniscus, something meniscus, and then a something else meniscus. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it looks like he's going to be avail- unavailable. That uh, that's that's a good thing. And then, boy, what a tragic! Obviously, with uh, Brian Robinson being yeah, on wow. the non-football injury list, with, uh, attempted carjacking, got shot. Once uh, ended up, uh, one bullet went into the, the glute, the butt, and then the other one went through his knee and somehow didn't damage any parts of his knee. It's amazing. I mean, and he was, what, a third-round pick out of Alabama? Yes, absolutely. Uh, wow. Uh, how fortunate is he? And that's scary stuff. But I, I saw him a couple days after, got out of the hospital and came to the facility. Right. And brought his the, – the rookies had to bring Oreos to the meetings. So he stopped and got a bag of Oreos and brought them with him on crutches and the whole deal, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'd be more than happy to bring a box of Oreos <laughs> yeah, in, having, having the up. Well, good for him that he's you – know, they, they think he's – and expect him to make a full recovery. He was expected to be the starting running back. And just a little side note on that, the guy who's going to start is a 1,000-yard back, which is Antonio Gibson. I like – the fact that Gibson's going to be their starter. Why? Because he fumbles. 
Mm. And Ron Rivera was asked about it this week. Mm. Okay, the media up there in Washington, they know the deal. Maybe he was asked, you know, and, and Ron Rivera said, you know, we have complete confidence in Antonio and we're not going to hesitate one minute to give him the ball. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that Antonio Gibson last year fumbled the ball six times, lost it four, okay, six times. So I guarantee you that Mike Caldwell is making his defense aware that when you see 24 toting a rock, you go for the ball. You go for the ball. And here's the other thing. What do you think Del Rio's telling his team about James Robinson? That that lower leg? The exact No, yeah. he's telling them the exact well. same thing because James Robinson fumbled the ball a couple times last year and he's okay. coming back from an injury. <laughs> JP, that went was going. right over know. your head, JP. Test the leg out? Right I have no idea. No. <laughs> that would be targeting, JP. I don't know. I'm just saying. No, they, they're going to hit him hard and they're yeah. going to probably take James Lowe just to see what his where his mind is at. Yeah, that's right. You no, know, you're right. I mean, you're right from that standpoint. But also, look, if you don't go low on James Robinson, then take a shot at the ball because last year James had a couple fumbles, which were very uncharacteristic of him. So I think, I think it's going to be a situation where you're going to see some missed tackles because both, both defensive teams are going to be going for the football with these two running backs. What's going on with the kicking game? We haven't talked about that in a couple weeks. Well, I was hoping you would tell me, JP. That's a good question. Riley Patterson. What do we know? Is the roster or is on the roster? Is the kicker? Uh, James McCourt's on the practice squad. I will say, what do you um, know? In the open parts of practice this week, we've been at uh, Patterson has missed some kicks, some field goals. Today looked like he made them. A few more. As yes. I was looking, peering out from underneath of my umbrella. The umbrella was yeah. in the way. You might have missed some. But uh, yesterday you thought that he missed some. He did, yes. Which, in the uh, open periods, we were out there. Okay. Okay. Which is That's not long. 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, which is not very long. But, I, I look, you're going to go into this game and, and put him out there and see what he does. And then after you have something to evaluate, then you evaluate and then make a decision and move forward for the next step. And unfortunately, this is not a position that you're going to sit there and go, yeah, you know, we feel really good about it. It's just not going to happen. You're going to say in public, well, we feel really good about it. Well, yeah. Just because you don't want to have it be a <laughs> – We are scared to death. No, you yeah, can't Yeah, I mean, you that. can't say that as a coach. I mean, <laughs> no. you're, you're going to – you're going to exude confidence in in your kicker. What even are though, we doing? You can't go out with even that. Even though in the back of your mind you're going, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Are we going to make them? I don't know. Are we going to make them? I don't know. We may not make them, but we're just going to have to see. But I, that's probably what you're thinking in the back of Doug Peterson's mind. I mean, I would be thinking that. I would say to you, JP, and to me and to all the other members of the media, I would say, yeah, we, work. we feel very confident in our kicking situation. We feel like we have a great operation. Snapper, holder, kicker looks good. We feel great about it. And I would leave it at that. And then, and then I walk out there and <laughs> go, what boy, did I, did I get them? Did, did my nose grow when I said that? <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, you just got to go out there and, and, and kick. At some it's point. the only way you find out. Yep. You know, I mean, you, you go out there and you, and you try to make some kicks, and if the kicks don't happen and you – Look, look at doing something differently. You know, that's just how you do it. That's how you operate. 
If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're back with some final thoughts coming up at the top of the hour, 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show. The Jaguars head coach will join us on this set for his show on the Jaguars Radio Network coming up. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Mike Dempsey and Fat Tony, Jaguars Today. All Jaguars, all NFL, all the time. 10 to noon weekdays on 1010XL. Welcome back. It is Jaguars Happy Hour. The Jaguars and the Washington Commanders coming up this Sunday. It's week one in the National Football League. And we take a look. If you're watching on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, we look outside at the Miller Electric Center. Construction continues at a feverish pace. Well, it was slowed a little bit today with the rain. I bet none of those guys had an umbrella out there, Logs. Hmm. today well uh, the guys that didn't they were actually working underneath of the roof jp <laughs> i'm just saying i don't okay, know so they didn't I mean, need an umbrella it's fine yeah uh it'll be scheduled to be open by training camp of 2023 that's the hope that's the plan and they're oh, all it'll track. be ready yeah oh it'll be ready i like that yeah i'm looking forward to uh to seeing it it's going to be pretty amazing and uh, most importantly the fields are going to be priority number one for next year Oh, yeah, the practice fields for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can probably make do and delay moving into that facility by a couple of weeks if you had to because you still have the stadium facility here. But from a from a field standpoint, you need the fields, which I think it's going to be interesting to see t- today. You know, we walk out into the stadium where the team has been practicing in the stadium. How will that field hold up for – the practices that they have in there on top of the games. Yes. I know there are a number of possible um, field changes, new fields that they can put in this year. It's already budgeted in. So oh, they, they need yeah, to change they're going to the change. They they're they're going to put yeah. completely change the surface, right. I think, a couple different times, but still. Still. I mean, right. I mean, How's it really? I mean, there's one game in the first month of the season here. But now and October you, gets hairy because there's college games and pro games and everything going on. Right, and, and have you seen the forecast? <laughs> right, yeah. Lately. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like rain every day. Yeah. And when you put big football players on a field that's very wet, it gets torn up pretty quickly. Hey, by the way, the, uh, the Jaguars and the Cultural Council of Greater Jacksonville are partnering to bring public arts to the Miller Electric Center. That was announced today. Um, and they're issuing calls to artists by the Jaguars at culturalcouncil.org slash call-2-artists. Submissions are due by October 28th, 2022. So that's are you, cool. Are you an artisan? I'm not. No, I, w- I wouldn't put myself in that category either. But uh, a lot of people are, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing some of those ideas moving ahead. And, uh-huh. uh, by the way... Um, Hey, no fees, no problem. Save big when you purchase your tickets for 2022. The home opener against the Colts is September 18th. This deal won't last long, so don't miss out. Get your fee-free tickets today. That's coming up in week two, the Colts coming in. They haven't won here since, um, 
Obama was president. That's a long time. It's been a minute. Matt Ryan. That's right. Matt Ryan at the helm. That's yeah. going to look different. It's been a while. What did they did? Uh, what did the Colts give up? Good question. For Matt Ryan, just out of curiosity, because you 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 ended up getting a second and a third for Carson Wentz, and so did you have to give up the same? Did you turn around and flip those picks for Matt Ryan? Good I, question. I, I I don't know. Anyway, just throwing that out there, but. Uh, I'm not a third big, round draft pick. Third round pick. So you netted, you, you you traded Carson Wentz, and then you netted a second round pick out of that deal. So you got Matt Ryan a second round pick, and you got rid of Carson Wentz essentially. Yes, that's a pretty good deal for the Colts. Yeah, third round pick, and then a two year deal for Ryan. Yeah. Wow. We'll get more into that next week. Of oh, it's just, it's just interesting yeah. to me because I mean we're, you're talking about two organizations that just did a deal with the, with the organization the Jaguars faced in the last week of the preseason, and so when you're looking at which organizations are doing things the right way, in this case you would look at the the Washington Commanders as not doing it the smart way because it was a year in which there was a lot of quarterbacks available, and you ended up giving up a pretty good amount of draft equity to get somebody that really wasn't in high demand in Carson Wentz. And yet the Colts end up getting somebody for only one pick that has, I, I think, in my opinion, is a much better quarterback than what they got rid of. And yet they ended up netting a draft pick out of that. Hmm. So clearly the Colts are, are doing things the right way. So, and hopefully this football team, with some of the acquisitions, we'll look back on them and say, you know what, that $323 million in contracts that was spent in the year 2022, man, did that pay off. That's what you hope. I mean, because that's the number, right? $323 million worth contracts? It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But so happens when you deal in free agency. Well, and that's what happens when you're, you're not drafting and developing at, at the rate that you – need to do, to do it at and speak so now you, instead of just supplementing your roster in free agency this team had to go out and had to spend deeply in free agency to to make this roster a competitive one going into the regular season so that's you know that's where you want to get to the point where you're not having to do that every year because here's the reality you can't do it every year it got something called a salary cap jp don't ask you, the Rams. You didn't they, know. They, they, they may not have the same cap, the Rams. The they just gave, money. Like they just crazy, gave right? uh, Havenstein the right tackle a new deal. Just rolling it over. So um, at what point, because the Rams have a ton of money yeah. that at some point they're going to have to pay the piper on. Well, I mean, whoever's in charge there, of course. Um, well, that's less sneak. Yeah, less maybe by long way, gone by that which time. Which I, I don't know if you saw <laughs> this. Uh, less Snead and Sean McVay just got extended to 2026 today. Oh, wow. The news was announced. And with the amount of money that Sean McVay supposedly was offered for network television, I, I'll bet you he's the highest paid coach in football right now. Just because of the offers that he had in the offseason to put the whistle down and pick up a headset and be the next John Madden, maybe. Mm. What do you think? What do you think his number? 
to be the coach right now. What, what, do, you, what do you think Sean McVay just got in his deal? I bet you it's 10. For being the coach. I bet forward. you it's 10, 10 to 12 a year. That's my guess. You think he got 10 to 12? That's what I think. I don't know. I, I, I would bet that it's at least that. Because what did, uh, before uh, John Gruden was getting 10 a year with the Raiders until he got run out of town, right? That's right. And Belichick, nobody really knows what Belichick That's right. Makes. It's never been out there. It's never been published, and people only speculate. But since he is the best coach in football, in my opinion, I would, I, I would think that he's worth $20 million a year, right? Or a share or, or a slice of ownership, ownership or something, which is not far-fetched up there. You I, never that, know. That, I mean, it's, right. that's not far-fetched. I mean, he's, I think he's that valuable to a franchise. $20 million a year? I mean, okay. There's a lot of teams that end up having $20 would, million lost yeah. every year on players that don't produce. I would think, though, that would have to come out at some point and be public, and at least in the NFL world, if you're slicing Belichick? up your ownership of the team. Does not. You don't have to does tell not. everybody. No, well, no. It does not have to be. about that? Nobody else has to know what they do in New England between mm-hmm. coach and ownership. They, nobody else has to know. And that's why the speculation is just its so far all over the place. I mean, just like the speculation last year of where this coach that was here in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, where he was at. I mean, nobody really knew. Who knows? Let's get to our final thoughts about this Jaguars-Commanders game. Coming up Sunday, 1 o'clock, FedEx Field, Landover, Maryland. The Jaguars have beaten the Washington franchise only one time in seven all-time meetings. That was in 2002. Washington's won the last four matchups, including overtime wins over the Jaguars in 06 and 2010. The last meeting, 2018. Here in Jacksonville, the Jags lost that one to 16-13. to It is the season opener. Jaguars are 14-13 and all-time to open a season, including three of the last five years a win. I think the coach of the only win in Jaguars history against the Washington team, mm-hmm. I believe Del Rio was the coach. 2002 would have been um, it would have been Tom's last season, right? Was it Tom? Tom last Coughlin. Season? Yeah, before okay. he got run out, right? Okay. You might be right. I thought it was Del Rio for some reason. Why am I thinking that? You, but you, you probably know better than me. You know the other little set, little bit of history that is uh, uh, gonna we're gonna talk about this during the radio broadcast of the game. Mm-hmm. JP, yes. Who scored the first touchdown in Jaguars history? First touchdown in a regular season game? Yes, oh, JP. Okay. Preseason games I'm don't just count. Asking, I, you, it sounded like a trick question no, to me. No, 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 no. No, preseason games don't count. You know that about in me. In a regular season game, first Correct. touchdown. Would Correct. that have get, been against the, uh, I don't know, I was, I don't know. You don't know. Desmond Howard. He scored the first touchdown in preseason. Ah, that was a Hall of Fame see? game, I, I believe. Okay, I have no idea who. And there, and there's a little bit of a link this week. That would make sense since you're bringing it. Why well, I'm bringing it up exactly. But the Washington Commanders running backs coach is Randy Jordan. Okay, and Randy in week two, the first week we lost to the Houston Oilers ten to three. So we didn't mm. score a touchdown. Here at the bank in the Didn't very first game either. in Jaguars history. Didn't get shut out either. Nearly did get shut out. But in week two, we traveled to Cincinnati 
And in the first quarter, Steve Berline threw a pass to running back Randy Jordan, who took it 71 yards for the touchdown for the first Jaguars touchdown in history. How about that? So he's with Washington. And he is on the staff, yeah. Hmm. That was pretty cool. Randy's a good guy. Good guy. Been, in, uh, been a coach, I think, since uh, his playing career ended, and uh, he's been doing a great job. So I'm actually I'm hoping I get to catch up with him. Yeah, Coughlin's last year was 0-2. So and it was O two that yep. this team beat yep. the Washington, Washington. Yep. Washington whatevers. Two thousand two. <laughs> it's it's like, the only time it's happened. Twenty <laughs> years ago. Washington Okay, they've got the Redskins football team and now Commanders. What, I like the football team. That was cool. Yeah. What was wrong with that? It was that? unique. But if you were gonna do a logo, then just keep the W, right? And just always call it the Washington football they team. They still have it. They didn't ask us. I I think they should have kept that. Well, it's what it is, yeah. and it's going to be at 1 o'clock on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. And and, what and do you think? What's, what's your gut here? My gut? Yeah. I mean, I, my gut is is that Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. And you can figure that out. Think he'll not, throw I'm, you not, one? I'm not a fan of Carson Wentz. You think he'll throw you one or two? No, his interception percentage is actually very low. But some of his decision-making has been poor. But he does not throw a lot of interceptions. That's one thing about him. Now, can he can he hurt himself in other ways? Yeah, he can do that. But then he if, if he gets on a roll and he has confidence with his legs, I just know this, JP. When when Doug Peterson had him in like year two, he was considered the top young quarterback in the league. Oh, he was on an MVP pace. People year. were going, he is the next great quarterback yeah and it didn't work out that way so like I said I think Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz and I think that we're going to see Trevor Lawrence pick up where he left off because I thought his best performance of the year last year was that last game against Indianapolis and my hope is is that he just literally picks up right from there and then continues to get better with a with a much better arsenal of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I like what I'm hearing. Let's uh, hear from head coach Doug Peterson. Coming up, moments away, the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars radio network ahead of week one. The Commanders and the Jaguars. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on Jaguars Radio. Jaguars Radio. 